Live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette, here is producer Dawson Iserlow and your big, bald, beautiful host, Raymond Parts III, better known as RP3. On a night of so much losing for our teams, across the board, the New Orleans Pelicans said, not to worry. We're here to save you. We're here to get a win. What? Losing streak snapped. Pellies get the road win. And make you feel a little bit better about their chances to remain as the 10th team in the playing tournament. (laughs) Well, good morning. Welcome to RP3 and Company. I'm your host, the big, bald, and beautiful one, Raymond Parts III. I'm joined inside the Evco Development Studios here in Upper Lafayette. Evco Development is a civil construction company that specializes in new multifamily construction. And I'm joined... By the man trying to be extraordinary every day he wakes up. You know him as D-Lo. Dawson Islow is here. Good morning, sir. How are you? You're filled with energy, oh, enthusiasm. That's a lie. We're getting through the day. That's that's how I'll describe it. Last night was a long one. Yeah, bud. It's always it. tough to do the... Now, going and covering the LSUE playoff game. Shout out to the Cajun Prairie. Has that made you reconsider our thought of Cannonball running it for the Cajuns baseball game in Biloxi? No. No, we're fine. Right. Um, Get a little energy drink the next morning. We'll be good to yeah, go. Yeah, no, we're all good. There, there we go. It was, it was a long one, but I mean, it was more... No, I don't know. I'm fine. It's We're, we're going to get through it, but... <laughs> No, it was a no, long I'm one. still committed because I hope you are because we went ahead and you know, filled out their credential form. So <laughs> Yeah, we're all good there. Yeah, we're, no, we're good certainly. to go. We're good to go for our little road trip. My man is here. Not a full night's of sleep, a full night of sleep, but you know what? He's here with bells on ready to make magic happen for you, the listener. That's what he does. The Pels. 121-110 road win over the Portland Trailblazers. And what I liked about what I saw from the Pels, not only was it a road victory against a team nipping on their heels to get one of those final spots in the play-in tournament, they also had their hands full early on. Portland led this game by two at the first timeout. I mean, at the first end of the first quarter. And then they led by three at halftime. So this was a tight game. But credit the Pels on how they finished. Not only did they win the third quarter, they dominated the fourth quarter, outscoring the Trailblazers by 12 points. They were able to pull away late, 
for the victory. Brandon Ingram, 40 points, 18 to 29 shooting from the field. He didn't even have a good night from three-point range. He was only one of five, but he did a little bit of everything. Led the team in scoring with 40 points, had six rebounds, five assists, two steals. C.J. McCollum gave him 24 points, nine of 19 shooting. Not a bad night for him. And they got a little bit of contributions from everyone else. No one else scored in double digits in the starting lineup. Herb Jones and Willie gave them seven points each. Richardson gave them five. Marshall gave them nine off the bench. Trey Murphy, nine off the bench. Three of ten shooting from three-point range. Kyra Lewis got minutes. Dyson Daniel got some minutes. But Jackson Hayes, who was ready for Jackson Hayes to come in and, and, and save the team on a night? Did anybody have that on their bingo card? Because I didn't. 15 points, four rebounds, three assists, two steals in 16 minutes of playing time. That was probably the best Jackson Hayes performance we've ever seen. The most efficient Jackson Hayes performance we've ever seen. And... They were able to do enough to go on the road to get a win. Great night from B.I. scoring. C.J. was efficient. You got contributions from Jackson Hayes. And, you know, this is a team that has to deal with a couple of their guys being out in addition to Zion. Right? Jose Alvarado is going to miss a few weeks. Larry Nance is going to be out for a while. So those are two contributors. So not as many guys to count on. Only used five guys off the bench. Yet, they will find a way to win the ballgame. Dame went off as we expected, right? 41 points from him. They also got 28 points from Grant. But Portland really is kind of a one-man show. So they were able to absorb Damian Lillard's 41-point performance to get the win. My question, though, is knowing that a couple more guys are banged up, we have 19 games left, Dawson, for this team, and they get a win. They snap the four-game skid last night, which is good, and they do so against a team that's nipping at their heels in the standings, also good. But are they going to need Brandon Ingram to drop 40 like 35 to 40 points a night for them to win? Is is that what's going to have to happen moving forward? Is B.I. is just going to have to take over and have 35 to 40 points a night? I mean, you're not going to win a lot of games if that's what you're relying on because last night was his first 40-point 40 40 point game of the season. So, I, I mean, he's there's times where it feels like they're only going to go as far as he can take them. But then again, I mean, you have other guys that are capable on the roster. They just have to play better. And... Portland is not a team that, I mean, I don't, you know, this isn't a win that's going to change how I feel about the direction of the team, but it's certainly a step in the not, in the right direction, better than losing to them. So, you know, this is a weird little road trip on the West mm. Coast swing because you got a couple of teams like, you know, the, the Warriors are a team that we think is maybe better than their record says, but then again, maybe not, and they're not going to have Steph for a while. So that's a winnable game, you know, and 
They're up to five though in the standings. They're, they they they've yeah, gotten they're better. better. They're playing but better overall as a team. Again, you can go from five to ten in like three nights in this Correct. league. So you know, I, I didn't I didn't change a ton about how I thought it did impact. I you know I finally got home, got everything done, got my stories done, and then the game was on, so I had to stay up and watch it. I wasn't going to go to sleep with three minutes left, <laughs> so that just kind of ruined. What little sleep I could have gotten, but you know, you got to see your pills yeah, win, though. Yeah, you get to see him win, and it's a road win. Yeah, so a road win in the Western Conference—that's a big deal because so many teams struggle on the road. They get the win, but but I'm like you. If you're having to depend on Bi to get you 40 points or even 35 points a night, I don't think that's a winning formula for this team. You got 40 points from him last night. CJ gives you 20-plus. Not another starter scored in double-digit, double figures. Not a single one. And the only other player that scored in double figures for you was Jackson Hayes. And we know that the big fella is not what we call a consistent basketball player. You can't consistently depend on Jackson to get you 15 points in 16 minutes. That's just not how that's going to work. So last night was nice. Snap the losing skid. Great. B.I. goes off for a season high. Awesome. Jackson Hayes looked great. Awesome. But they still remain in 10th place in the Western Conference standings. Now, they distanced themselves a little bit between them and Portland, which is good. They'll still play the Trailblazers a couple more times, by the way, down the stretch in these last 19 games. But you got to figure out other people and how they're going to step up. And how much does this impact Dawson not having Jose Alvarado? He's going to be out for a couple weeks, we hear. Larry Nance is going to be out for a little while. In addition, we still don't know about Zion coming back. Yeah, it feels like old times. The, the, the roster's depleted again. Feels good. Right? It's like nostalgic to uh, have everybody out. You know, that's how this team's supposed to be. It was weird to just have one guy missing. Felt like, felt like they probably needed that. So. They feel, they, they're, they're, they're trying to do Zion a solid and make him feel like he's still part of the team. Is that what you're yeah, trying to tell me? Yeah, you need a couple of guys in street clothes on the side. So, no, I mean, look, they, Alvarado, that one hurts. Again, I was kind of campaigning for him to get some more minutes. That's not happening anytime soon. So. No. You know, Kira's going to get a chance here, you'd imagine. So we'll see if he can kind of. Uh, take he that played next 12 step. minutes last night. That was it. Yeah, well, I mean, that, and, and that Dyson goes from, Daniels up from what, had zero 10. the night before. So Right. So they gave 12 minutes to Kyra and 10 to Dyson. Okay, and on so, a West Coast road trip like this, though, you also figure that Lewis is going to play more of these next couple games as you're trying to get some guys uh, a little bit of rest. So we'll see. It would make you know? sense. Obviously, you're going to have a CJ rest game coming up at some point soon. So Kira's probably going to start in that one. You know, I, mean, I don't know. You're going to have a BI rest game too, don't you think? Maybe, maybe. I mean, they've 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 been less hesitant to play BI more minutes, but um, he played 38 last night, the most on the team. Yeah, and and well, you know, we'll see what happens. They but needed him to play. Afford, yeah, I don't yeah, know if you can right. afford to give BI rest games. So, um, you know, they're in a. They're in a better spot than they were a night before, and that's about all I have to say about that game. I think, look, I think Portland, those those are the teams you have to beat. Now, it was on the road, so that's great, but um, you've got to uh, – we, we we keep talking about you have to win some games that you're not supposed to win at some point. And Correct. We'll see if that happens coming up. you got a couple of chances here. 
at Golden State tomorrow night. Once again, Steph's not there, so that would be a, a big deal if you could go on the road to San Francisco and take down the Golden State Warriors, the defending champs. Even without Steph, it's still a quality win. And then it's at Golden State Friday, and then they have the weekend off, but then it's at Sacramento on Monday. So you have a a couple of games here against top five seeds in the Western Conference, and then you get to come back home versus the Mavericks, the Thunder, and the Blazers, and the Lakers. And look, you could easily win three of those four games at home. Yeah, and the way that the uh, off day set up with this road trip, I guess you probably won't have rest days for those guys. They'll probably play against – you'd imagine they'll play against Golden State, and then with two days off, they'll probably play as well. So um, that should be good. You should have your full squad of – or what's full of your squad, you know, the guys that are there that are healthy right now. You should have all those guys, and it's time to make a charge, you know. Let's see if they can – Well, I mean, the the schedule honestly sets up for that. I mean, Yeah, but we've said that for a long time. Golden State and – You have to still beat those middle-of-the-pack teams, and that's been difficult for them. Golden State, Sacramento. You have the Mavericks. Oklahoma City is a team below you in the standings, right? Portland you just beat. They're below you in the standings. The Lakers are below you in the standings, and they're not going to have LeBron more than likely for that game. And then it's – Two games at the Rockets, Dawson, and then a game versus San Antonio. And then Charlotte comes to town without LaMelo Ball because he may he's done for the year. Yeah, but like all all this for what? A play in spot? I'm just like I'm You're just so to... negative. He turned. He's yeah. turned on the Pelicans. He's so negative and yeah, I, love I have it. turned. Well, I I also <laughs> just started thinking about that stupid format that the NBA has and how twenty out of the thirty teams in the league get to make the oh, postseason. It's, so it's awful, dude. That it's just kinda ruined my morning, but <laughs> oh, let's try to try to it's a win. Just, I, that's why I led off with the Pelicans because I thought, well, Dawson, there was a lot of lo- lo- losing last night. We'll start off with some wins. And my man D'Lo says, whatever. Yeah. This is this is terrible. This is all terrible. It's, everything's awful. It's awful. <laughs> we got to take a timeout. When we return here on RP3 and Company, Kevin Durant returns. He didn't look rusty to me. Is that going to be a problem for the West, the rest of the Western Conference? We'll talk about that next right here on The Game. This is RP3 and Company on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Tune in every weekday at 8.15 a.m. and 3.15 p.m. for the LSU Sports Update. Presented by Tibbs Trailers here on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station. KD is back. You know what? He didn't look too rusty to me. Hadn't played since, what, January the 8th, I do believe, when he suffered the injury. But Kevin Durant looked good last night in his return to the NBA, helping the Suns to a 105-91 win over the Hornets. Now, once again, it's the Charlotte Hornets slash Bobcats slash Anything Michael Jordan touches post-Bulls career turns to trash. Sorry, Goat. That's just how it is. Hey, 23-11 <laughs> racing's 
got a shot here. That, oh, fair. That's fair. <laughs> but everything else he's touched is just, besides the Jordan brand, like anything he's done with basketball that's not shoe-related, you go, ugh. But 105-91 to 91 victory. And what stood out to me in this game, and I know it's a small sample size, and it's only one game, Dawson, is how well he plays with Devin Booker. Uh, look, Chris Paul's at the end. And DeAndre Aiden is a good player, but not a great player. Really, if you're Phoenix, you make this deal. Yes, you can put together a big four, and, and that's great. But really, it boils down to the on-court chemistry between Booker and Durant. They're your two best players. And I know it's a only one game. But Durant did not show any rust. And man, that sure did look like a devastating one-two punch to me. And he and Booker look like they fit together on the court. They snapped Charlotte's five-game win streak. Durant scored 23 points in only 27 minutes. Jump shot looked good to me. First game since January 8th after recovering from the right MCL sprain. And Durant's playmaking has always been the best thing that he does his playmaking ability the shot is always good the slim reaper but his playmaking ability his ability to be able to make his own shots and also set up other guys when they owned the floor together last night booker had a tremendous all-around game 37 points six rebounds seven assists this is a kind of wing scoring duo that this is why the Suns did this, to have Booker and Durant on the wing. And look, they're going to have a lull here. You know that. There's going to be some games where they're not going to be on the same page. It's still early. There's only 20 games left in the regular season for the Suns to figure this out. But you can see it. You can see the thing. And the other thing that I liked when I saw even when Booker and Durant were separated, when they weren't on the court at the same time, Durant did well with the bench players. You have a good coach in Phoenix. You have a veteran guy in Chris Paul. But really, it boils down to Booker and Durant. I liked the trade for the Suns. They're all in. I liked what I saw last night from Durant. Once again, it's early. But if they can stay healthy, and I know that's a big big what if in the NBA, and we know that as we talk New Orleans Pelicans all the time on the show. If they can stay healthy, that how do you slow down that wing duo if you're an opposing team? Like how do you how do you do that? Because Devin Booker can make any shot on the court. Anyone. And he's very confident in his shot. And he believes he can make any shot on the court. And you got another guy along with him on the wing that can that feels the same way and may be one of the may be the best shot creator that we have in the league right now. I know they won't be the one seed. I know it's still going to be Denver's, but if they can stay healthy, man, that's going to be woo, 
It's going to be nasty. It's going to be nasty. And DeAndre Aiden, by the way, he's the fourth guy in this. He gave him 16 points. Any thoughts? <laughs> I, look, I said it was going to work when it happened. I think it's really going to work. I think Chris Paul had two points. It was one of eight shooting, and they won the game by 15 or 14. His, his shooting has di- – father time caught up with Chris Paul this year because he can't he can't make a shot He'll this year. be fine, though. I mean, look, they're going to be good. They're going to be tough to beat. I think they're by – like, I, I, I've been hesitant on Denver. I still don't trust it till I see it in the playoffs. I think Phoenix is the best team in the West. And, you know, look, 20 games is probably the perfect amount of time for them to figure this out. And, yeah, you think, last night, you, you think that's going to be just, just enough? Yeah, I think it's fine. I mean, especially – if Durant's going to play the way he played last night, and you know, look, Phoenix probably won't be that good defensively, so they're going to no. they're going to have to be a little bit better than what they were on offense. But I think they will be because Chris Paul's not going to be one for eight from the field very often. He's not going to go for four from three. And I mean, look, that was kind of a, just a taste for Durant. It wasn't even a full kind of one hundred percent effort. I think, of course, you're going to slowly bring him back into the fold. So they're going to be the his best minutes under thirty. For now, but I mean, once it comes playoff time, I think he's going to be ready to roll. But that's that's my thought process there. Yeah. If I'm Phoenix, I go, okay, look, you have Booker, you have Aiden. You're right, Paul's not going to go one from eight. But here's the thing. The best thing about Paul's game has never been his scoring ability. It's always been how he dishes. Yeah, and he had 11 assists last night. So, I mean, I don't – look, I really – I you know – We'll see, but uh, and they're going to play some good teams coming up. They've got a little bit of a stretch right here with a, with some you know some more subpar opponents, but then they'll play Milwaukee. They'll play a few teams where we'll kind of get measuring stick games along the way. But if they're fully healthy and locked in, personally, I don't see a team in the Western Conference that's beating them in a seven game series. But you know, we'll see what happens. I I just don't see I don't see Denver being able to do that. Now you mentioned the one seed. I mean, the one seed couldn't mean less anymore. What does it matter? You're going to be playing it. It doesn't feel like it means anything. You're gonna, you know, the other thing about now with the new format with the playing tournament is you're going to be playing a te- if you're the eight or the if you're the one or the two seed, you're going to be playing a team that's playing pretty well anyway because you got to play a team that won the playing tournament. So correct. What's the real advantage to being the one seed is is not a whole lot really. There's no buys. There's no you know yeah you have home court advantage, but so does you know the four seed in the first round. So. I don't think the one seed means literally anything. I think I would. I, I don't think I would. If you told me to pick one through three, yeah, you, you, the only reason you'd pick the one seed is to get home court advantage in the Western Conference Finals, and even that doesn't seem like it's you know as important as other things are. So, Phoenix is going to probably be the three or the four seed, and it's going to be lookout Western Conference. I don't think uh, as of now, I don't see a team that's really equipped to stop them. I don't love their depth, right? I don't love their bench. But you have one of the best assist men ever, Durant, Booker, and Aiden. Like, I, I get if they face a, a, a deep team, but who in the West scares you to take down Phoenix? I can make an argument that there's not that, that there's roster depth issues, bench issues with all the teams in the West, right? All of them have good starty or good starters. But you can make an argument Dallas has problems with their bench. Sacramento has problems with their bench. Well, right. I, I, so the Pelicans don't have problems with it. They kind of have a perfect roster and they don't really have any flaws. But outside of them, there are some, <laughs> yeah, everybody's got a couple of things wrong. 
Uh, look, man, if Durant's healthy, Paul's healthy, I uh, and Booker's healthy, I, I just don't know if I'm seeing anybody that's going to beat them in the West. Because like you, I don't trust Denver, even though there's a possibility that he's going to be a three-time MVP, three straight MVPs. I just, it's weird what they're doing in Denver. We got to take a timeout. When we return here on RP3 and Company, as Darren is blowing up my phone because he wants to talk NBA, he could just call. He could just call the hotline. The game hotline's open, 337-706-0111. D, you got the number. I know it's saved in the phone. If you want to holler at us, call the game hotline, 337-706-0111. When we come back, we'll take your phone calls. We'll also talk about the McNeese Cowboys. By the way, they won in everything yesterday. Everything. Baseball, softball, women's basketball, and the men won, and they're getting into the Southland Conference Tournament. Woohoo! Banner day for the Lake Chuck teams. We'll dive into that all next right here on The Game. This is RP3 and Company on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Go subscribe to The Game's YouTube channel at The Game Louisiana. That way, you can check out the latest original videos and more shenanigans from the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. It was a banner day for McNeese Athletics yesterday as all their teams won. All of them got wins. Let's start with the McNeese men's basketball team. It came down to them needing to win their final game against UNO inside the Legacy Center, and they needed help. They needed Lamar to lose. They needed Incarnate Ward to lose. And all that actually happened. And McNeese gets into the Southland Conference Tournament, which will begin play on Sunday there at the Legacy Center in Lake Chuck. And the Cowboys did so by having probably their best half of basketball all season. They trailed this one by 13 points at the break. They outscored UNO 51-31 to in the second half. 51 to 31. They scored 51 points in the second half. You want to talk about something that doesn't make sense. Okay. So, again, I mentioned to you support the privateers, you know, follow them a little bit. Parents graduate from there. UNO's won four of their last six games, including three wins over three of the top five teams in the conference. This is correct. Their only two losses are to McNeese, and they had enormous leads in both of those games. So, For the last month, essentially, UNO has played incredible basketball except for two halves that were both the second half of games against McNeese. Like, this is just, it was strange. Hashtag Southland Strong. The Southland is a weird place. the team you want to run into in March. (laughs) McNeese gets to 9-22 overall, 6-12 in the Southland Conference. A massive come-from-behind victory to qualify for the postseason tournament. And look, that's what it's all about. 
you, you don't want to be the host that doesn't even qualify for your own tournament. It, it's been a lost season for the Cowboys, uh, immensely disappointing, but to win in the regular season finale, to qualify for the conference tournament, that's what it's all about. After an 80-73 to win over the privateers there in the regular season finale, McNeese will now play Texas A&M Commerce at 5 o'clock on Sunday as the number eight seed in the first round of the conference tournament on Joe Dumars' court at the Legacy Center. UNO, by the way, is the sixth seed. So they had already qualified for the conference tournament. So UNO will play Incarnate Word at 7.30. So there you go. All five Cowboy starters scored in double figures. Senior Zach Scott led the way with 18 points. Thomas recorded his first double-double with 15 points and 12 rebounds, both career highs, while Christian Shoemate recorded his 13th double-double of the season, 14-11. and 11. Jonathan Massey scored 14, and senior Harwin Francois added 11. So a great way to end the regular season. If McNeese wins their game against number 5 seed A&M Commerce on Sunday, then they will face off against Nichols in the quarterfinals on Monday. So good luck to the Cowpokes. And they needed everything to happen. But credit them for actually taking care of what they could take care of. They couldn't take care of if Incarnate Ward and Lamar both lost. They had no control over that. But they could go out there and come back and win their game. So that's exactly what they did. So congratulations to John Aiken and his team for doing that. Earlier in the night, the Cowgirls, the women's basketball team, it was senior night for them. And they defeated UNO 68-56. to They were in control of this one from jump. Led 16-12 to after the first and never really looked back. UNO made a game of it a little bit there in the third quarter, but it wasn't enough. The women earn the sixth seed for the conference tournament. They'll begin play on Monday. They're at the Legacy Center. 1.30 will be the tip as they take on, wait for it, the team they just faced last night, UNO. <laughs> so it will be McNeese, UNO women, once again, on Tuesday in the opening round of the women's portion of the Southland Conference Tournament. So, congratulations on the women for locking up the six seed. And that they'll try to make a little bit of a run here. The Southland Conference feels like it's kind of wide open. On the diamond, the softball team, well, I told you. It was wins everywhere. Softball team got themselves a midweek win over Grambling, eight to nothing. They played it three runs in the first, added three more in the fourth, two in the fifth. They held the Tigers to only one hit. Ashley Vallejo got the win. She improved to three and four on the season. Marina Torres had a home run. Chloe Gomez and Kaylee Lopez had a couple of RBIs in this ballgame. 
Blau, I guess, is the one-hitter shutout in the win over Grambling. Next up for McNeese, they travel to the Longhorn Invitational. They're going to take on Princeton in their first game there, but they will also be facing off with the Louisiana Raging Cajuns in the tournament held there in Austin. They'll face Princeton at 9 o'clock on Friday and then Louisiana at 2 o'clock on Friday. So we'll see if the Cowgirls can continue playing at a high level. And then finally, oh, the baseball team. They had defeated the Louisiana Raging Cajuns on Tuesday night at Joe Miller Ballpark, a.k.a. the Joe. Well, I had another midweek game and had to travel to do it, make a short trip over to BR to take on the Southern Jaguars. Well, they got themselves yet another win as they take down the Jags on the road 10-3, plating a run in the first, but then exploding, breaking the game wide open there in the third with five runs, adding a run each in the fourth, fifth, and then two more in the sixth. Had 14 hits, scored 10 runs. The Jaguars were held to three runs on three hits while also committing three errors. Burl Jones was able to pick up the win on the bump, his first win of the season. In his first start of the season, five hitless and scoreless innings and struck out seven batters. Next up for the Cowboys, they return back home for a weekend series against George Washington. So, win, 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 win across the board for McNeese. Good day. Good day for the teams in the chuck. Let's see if they can keep that going. I want to bring up something that I saw that I went, really? We all love sports memorabilia. We're all big fans, right? A lot of us have our man caves filled with stuff, right? Whether that's old magazine covers framed, baseball cards, maybe assigned hats, jerseys, whatever it may be. And my man cave is no different, even though it's now and has been for many years a storage facility for our stuff in the house, mainly my wife's staging stuff. So the, the man cave is no longer the man cave. It's just a cave. But... You know, I got my signed Kenny Stabler hat, right, under glass. I got other autographs, Brian Mitchell. I got my mini helmets. I got my baseball cards and hard hard plastic cases on the wall. So, you know, I got paintings and the whole nine yards. So, I get it. I've spent a ton of money on stuff, buying it brand new or buying it on back in the day on eBay or on Amazon and you know, you want something to add to it, right? You got to have all the sports memorabilia, Dawson, to go along with the dartboard and foosball table and the kidney-shaped corner bar that I have in my man cave, which does not get used. But I saw this, and I went, really? So Joe Montana is considered one of the greatest of all time. The drive is one of the most iconic moments in Super Bowl history I remember it like it was yesterday the jersey worn by Joe 
in not one but two Super Bowl victories. Because back in the day, you weren't supposed to wear the same jersey. But as we know, if you watch the Peacock original docuseries on Joe Montana, his wife gave him, snuck him back the jersey that he won in the Super Bowl before, and he won it. He wore it again. But back then, you didn't change the look of your uniforms all that much, so he kind of got away with it. The jersey he wore in not one but two Super Bowls with the 49ers sold for $1.212 million. $1.212 million for a game-worn Super Bowl jersey. It obliterated the record paid for a football jersey at auction. It was brokered through Collectibles Marketplace Golden. The previous record was $480,000 paid for Tom Brady's jersey from the 2021 season where they won the Super Bowl. That was also brokered by Golden. Montana first wore the now record-breaking jersey when the Super Bowl defeated, in the Super Bowl when the Niners defeated the Dolphins, and then four years later when he engineered the game-winning 92-yard drive, famously known as the drive to lead the Niners past the Bengals. Famously, Boomer Esiason had already been interviewed about going to Disneyland or Disney World while this was going on. (laughs) And then Montana just says, nope, there'll be none of that. And the story is obviously the morning of the latter Super Bowl, Montana's wife, Jennifer, pulled the jersey from a scrapbook and packed it in Joe's stadium bag with a note, quote, maybe you want to wear it again. So he did, and they won. So, look, it's an iconic jersey from one of the most iconic moments in Super Bowl history. But Dawson, $1.212 million? Is that what we're talking about? What do you think that jersey smells like? <laughs> Forty years later, <laughs> assume they didn't wash it. That would, you know, that would take away from the game worn aspect. God, I mean, I don't know if that's what you want in a basement, huh? I, I I would assume it's been washed, right? I, I I'm gonna I'm gonna go well, limb and say it's been washed. Maybe I hope. Know, yeah. I hope. Maybe. I hope it's been washed in some capacity. But the collectors, you know, a lot of those collectors want it as it is. That's part of the, you know, the adds to the value. This has led us to our poll question of the day. What type of sports memorabilia would you value the most? A signed jersey? This isn't even a signed jersey, by the way. The Montana, it's just worn. It's not signed by Joe. A signed jersey? A signed baseball card? A game-worn jersey? Or a milestone home run ball? What type of sports memorabilia would you value the most? That's our poll question of the day. Go vote. Leave your comments on both Facebook and Twitter, and we'll share them throughout today's show. we got to take a timeout. More RP3 and company, though, coming up as we close out our number one here on The Game. This is RP3 and company on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. 
RP3 came to the station this morning to do only two things. Kick some ass and drink some beer. It's like we're almost out of beer. Well, it's kind of early for the latter, isn't it? Maybe. Probably. Maybe just a root beer or some flavored water. Back to more kick-ass sports talk with RP3 and company on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Votes and comments coming in on our poll question of the day. What type of sports memorabilia would you value the most? Right now, a milestone home run ball, 43%. That's what I voted because I'm a baseball guy. 29% say a signed jersey. 21% say a game-worn jersey. And 7% say a signed baseball card. JPK, the OD, says other. I want the dueling Pels Lakers ping pong balls from the 2023 NBA draft lotto. Hashtag number one pick. Hashtag big man from France. Ralph Bergeron says, if I'm trying to turn a profit, the milestone ball for the man cave, the signed jersey to break the eighth and tenth commandments, RP3's Dale Murphy collection memorabilia. Some people go to great lengths to collect it. (laughs) He shared a gif of OJ. Steve says, I will take this and the $10 million it sold for. Uh, Jerseys, Jordan's jersey. Oh, yeah, that's $10 million. Can you imagine? Can you just imagine? Ridiculous. Darren says, I have a few of all except the home run ball. I value them all. And John Paul, Cajun Daddy says, so my deuce jersey is not game-worn, but I had it for years before seeing him in Green Bay, Wisconsin for a game. Got him to sign the jersey. Oh, that's awesome. A ball along with Edron James and took several photos. Great guy. And a great game that was badly officiated. The Packer fans even admitted to this. <laughs> Somehow we got the officials involved. Don says, Damn, this is a great question. I had to think hard about this one. How dare you make me think so early? Don, we apologize. Once again, the intelligence level of RP3 and company has increased because we added Dawson Iserlo, a man who's secretly probably getting his MD somewhere. (laughs) You want something that I'm never getting? It's an MD. That's for sure. (laughs) Oh, Hour number one in the books. Good start to today's show. Hour number two coming up right here on The Game. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Everything, everything, everything gonna be all right this morning. Live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette, here is producer Dawson Iserlo and your big, bald, beautiful host, Raymond Parts III, better known as RP3. Uh, 7.03 on this Thursday morning. Good-looking Thursday morning outside. We've had plenty of fun to start off today's show here on RP3 and Company. Dawson, of course, delivering as always. Coming up clutch. I may be filled with shenanigans on any given morning. And I may try to derail this show with talking long-winded. And you know what? My man remains calm, cool, and collected. He gets us back on track. So shout out to him, bud. Good job today. Good job today so far. One day we're going to have four full segments and we're going to have a <laughs> celebration about it. 
<laughs> There'll be a party like we had yesterday. <laughs> oh, man. New Orleans Pelicans got themselves a win last night. Snapped a four-game skid. They go on the road. They beat Portland. B.I. goes off for 40 points. And they got 15 off the bench from Jackson Hayes. Is that something that the Pelicans can do game in and game out the rest of the way? No, it is not. <laughs> the first 40-point game for B.I. this season, Jackson Hayes played the best 16 minutes of his NBA career last night. The best. They're banged up, right? Got Larry Nance Jr. He's going to be out for a while. Jose Alvarado is going to be out for a while. Zion is still doing whatever, recovering from the hamstring injury. But they got a road win against a team nipping at their heels to try to get into the play-in tournament. But even with the win, the Pelicans still remain 10th in the Western Conference standings. But they do have a stretch where maybe they can get things together. Yes, they have to play Golden State and Sacktown the next two games on the road. And the Pelicans aren't a very good road team. But then they come back home. You got Oklahoma City. You got Dallas. You got the Lakers. You got the Blazers. Then you go on the road. You play the Rockets and the Spurs in three straight games. Well, those two teams are battling out for the big fella from France. So you think you have an opportunity here to, you know, make some headway. But we'll see if the Pelicans can actually take advantage. While the Pellies... We're getting a win on the road. Kevin Durant made his debut in a Phoenix Suns jersey, playing for the first time since January the 8th after the MCL sprain. He looked good, efficient. They limited his minutes under 30, still gave him 23 points. Looked really good on the court with Devin Booker, who, of course, had a monster game as the Suns win in Kevin Durant's debut. The Suns are going to be a problem if they can be healthy. I mean, last night they were able to win. Durant limited on minutes. Chris Paul making only one shot from the field. But DeAndre Adam can get him double-digit points. So if the Suns can be healthy, they're going to be a dangerous team in the West. And the Western Conference is wide open, by the way. Just absolutely wide open. And every team in the West seems to have issues. Right? Memphis, you worry about the edge that they play with, and they don't seem to be exactly right there's something off about Memphis no one trusts Denver to actually get it done in the postseason Sacramento is a great story but when was the last time Sacramento was good and actually won a playoff series that would be when Vladi Divac played for them in the early 2000s so everyone in the west has flaws has warts if you will even Golden State they just can't get healthy so Western Conference wide open so it's right there for the picking for the Suns. Staying on the hardwood. Great night for the McNeese men's and women's basketball teams. The women earlier in the night beat UNO. They led from jump. Got the sixth seed for the conference tournament. They'll play, guess what, UNO on Monday in the Southland Conference Tournament held there at the Legacy Center in Lake Charles. Later in the night, the men finished out the regular season with the win over UNO, scoring 51 points in the second half as they take down the privateers 
They needed some help as well, McNeese did. They needed Lamar and Incarnate Word both to lose. That happened. And because of that, McNeese was able to get the eight seed for the conference tournament. They'll play Texas A&M Commerce, the five seed, on Sunday there at the Legacy Center. So McNeese gets to qualify for the conference tournament. Both the men and the women win. In addition to that, the softball team, they got themselves a win over Grambling. One hit shutout as they now head over to the Longhorn Invitational. Will they be taking on the likes of Princeton and Louisiana, Raging Cajuns, on Friday over in Austin? The baseball team, after beating Louisiana on Tuesday night at Joe Miller, they went over to Baton Rouge and took down the Southern Jaguars in a back-to-back midweek contest. The McNeese baseball team, Justin Hill's team, will now return home for a three-game set this weekend at the Joe against George Washington. So a banner day for McNeese Athletics yesterday. It was not a banner day for the LSU men's basketball team, though. They let another one get away from them. And look, we've said this story over and over again this year. I get it. They beat Vandy to snap the 14-game losing skid. Then they turn around and lose to Ole Miss and really got drubbed by Ole Miss a day after they fired their coach, longtime coach Kermit Davis. Mizzou is a pretty good team in the SEC. They're going to be an NCAA tournament team. You have a 22-win team on the ropes at your house in the regular season home finale inside the PMAC. You're the worst team in the conference. You have your foot on the proverbial throat of the other Tigers from Columbia, Missouri. And you lead this game 47-34 to at the break. K.J. Williams has over 20 points. You're in complete control. And what does Matt McMahon's team do? Get outscored 47 to 29 in the second half. They fall 81 to 76. They even have a possession late in this ball game where they can try to get a shot up to maybe tie it, force overtime. Instead, they commit a turnover, which seems a fitting way to end the game and a fitting way to describe this season for LSU. K.J. Williams ends up with 24 points. They get 17 from Miller. Reed gives them 11 off the bench, but that was really it as they fall to 13-17 and 17 overall and 2-15 and 15 in conference play. They'll wrap up their regular season on the road on Saturday at Florida. So back to losing games, back to back to back for the LSU men's basketball team. Let's head out to the game hotline, which is 337-706-0111, and talk to our guy Darren, who's been patiently waiting. D, good morning to you, brother. What's on your mind, my friend? Yes, good morning. Good morning. Hey, you know what? I was just thinking, I know your NFL team. I know your your, your NBL team. I, I know your college team, but what's your NBA team? You know what? I never had one, Darren. I, I never did. Back in the day, I grew up with Magic and Larry. Okay, that's when I started watching the NBA, uh, and then Michael came and kind of captivated us. Did I have a 
Chicago Bulls starter jacket back in the day, specifically when I lived in Central Illinois? Yes. <laughs> but I never, I never had a team. I mean, I liked the Bulls, but I just liked the NBA. I never got around to picking a team um, back in the day. But I loved watching the NBA in the 80s and the early 90s. I always loved watching the Super uh, Seattle Supersonics. I loved, uh, loved Sean Kemp um, and uh, what he was able to do in a game. I loved watching Larry Johnson and the Charlotte Hornets. Plus, they had great jerseys. So I just loved the game. I never had a team that I rooted for, though, in the association. Okay, now let's talk about uh, the Western Conference. Uh, so what scares you more about the nuggets I the the thing about the nuggets is on paper they should win the west they have talent they have depth they have the two-time league mvp a guy that may win the mvp award for the third straight year it's just they always have a letdown in the postseason so i don't know i I guess the question when it comes to denver is are they going to be mentally tough to get over the hump because it seems like they play their worst basketball in the postseason. When it gets to a series, for whatever reason, they struggle to beat teams in a seven-game series format. It's as if the playoff format it works against Denver and what they do best. Because the way I'm looking at it, the two teams in the West that I think was going to come out of it is the Nuggets and the Grizzlies because that's the two most complete teams the thing that scares me about the Grizzlies is they're a deep team. They can do everything. They can play defense. They can score the basketball. They play good team ball, but they're young. And when it comes down to close games, they play too much one-on-one ball. That's right. That's where, that's where being young hurts them. And, and the thing and, about Memphis that worries me, Darren, too, is that, look, they're trying to embrace this bad boy persona, right, which works. If that works for them, that's fine. And they, they want to play with a chip on their shoulder. I get all that. But you have to back it up, right? And, and that's the thing. If, if you're talking trash and you want to be the big bad bully on the block, then you got to back it up. And you can't have an early playoff exit. And then I'm also concerned about, you know, you got, we got this stuff off the court with Ja and, yeah, you hey. know, the, the, the stuff about him uh, it, reportedly, allegedly beating up a 17-year-old. You know, and I'm just like, it seems like there's a lot of chatter, a lot of negativity starting to surround Memphis. They're still a young team. I worry about are they going to have the mental fortitude to put that aside and actually play really good basketball. I do worry about that as well with them. And and I want to make one more point. The thing that worries me about the Suns is Chris Paul having proven himself in the playoffs. And De- Devin Booker is somebody else who always never shows up in the playoffs. I can't say you can do everything with KD, but KD has been battling with a lot of injuries lately. You can rely on him in the playoffs, but if one of the four don't show up, you don't have nobody else to rely on. And if you run into one of those deep teams like the Grizzlies or the Nuggets, I'm not saying you can't you can't just rely on one or two players. No, you but the counter the argument team. with that against those teams would be this. And Darren, I, I don't necessarily disagree with you. But my counter argument would be you're right, but Kevin Durant's been there and done that. 
Kevin Durant has won championships. He's also lost championships. So he has that experience, and that experience matters. It definitely is going to matter against Denver, and it's going to matter against Memphis because he's been there before. And Chris Paul's been there. He hasn't won a championship, but he's been there. So I think that experience helps the Suns in those particular matchups. But you're right. Look, every team in the West has warts. Every team in the West has flaws. So I think it's going to be a wildly entertaining Western Conference playoffs for sure. Far more interesting in the West than it is going to be in the East. Well, I can't wait for it. Same here, brother. Appreciate the phone call, bud. Enjoy your day, my man. All right. You too. We got to take a timeout. When we return here on RP3 and Company, all the UL women. Hey, they were in the Sunbelt Conference tournament. They were. We'll talk about what happened coming up next right here on the game. This is RP3 and Company on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. There are some hosts that talk like they know everything, but you don't have to worry about our guy, RP3. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. That's because he never knows what he's talking about. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. Back to the show in the know. RP3 and company on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, I got to give all the credit to App State. I thought they played an excellent game. They defended us well. They scored it well. Uh, they made it a little bit more difficult to guard them than the last time we played them. So, you know, give a lot of credit to their preparation and, you know, how good they looked. You know, it's just for us, it's just one of those games. We just uh, seemed to not get everything going. And when we did, they always had an answer. So this is part of being in the conference tournament. You know, anybody can win. It's anybody's game. And. Uh, just kind of disappointed for our seniors, and but we're a young team. We'll go back to work, and you know, no excuses. Hopefully, we can uh, kind of get back going and maybe change the maybe change the game one day. That is a very disappointed Louisiana women's basketball coach Gary Broadhead following his team's fifty-one to thirty-eight loss at the Sunbelt Conference Tournament. Now, were the Cajuns the only higher seed to lose to a team with a losing record? No. Georgia Southern, a 20-win Georgia Southern team, lost to Arkansas State in overtime as well there in Pensacola. But Old Dominion easily took care of Georgia State, and Marshall was able to take care of Coastal Carolina. So the teams with higher seeds and better records, half of them won, the other half didn't. What do we make of the way the Raging Cajuns performed? I, 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 This is a team that was battling to be a top four seed two weeks ago. And they finished the regular season with three straight losses. And they looked, let's just be honest, they looked bad last night. They shot 
19% from the field in the first half. App State, an 11-win App State team that the Cajuns beat easily on the road in Boone, North Carolina, shot a pedestrian 27%, but that looked miles better than what the Cajuns looked like, who scored four points in the first quarter and only 14 in the first half. They shot 19% from the field and only scored 14 points in the first half in a 51-38 to loss. I was not anticipating that. I don't believe Gary Broadhead was anticipating that. It was kind of a lifeless performance against App State, a team they defeated. A team they defeated easily. What happened to the Raging Cajun women's team this year? I, I know they don't have enough scoring, Dawson, but what happened? Is 19% good? No. Is that hashtag ideal? No, that's not hashtag ideal. Yeah, I didn't think so. That's not hashtag optimal. Yeah, no, look, it's um, the tough thing is that you kind of saw this happen progressively over the last month or so of the season. I mean, look, Correct. They were, there was a point in time where they were playing really good. Really good basketball, and they were winning games. They were they were scoring too. I mean, they had some nice outputs where, you know, you got it from different options. You had Nubia Benedict have a couple of nice games, and Lene Wheaton, when she was healthy, was playing well. And Tamara had some good games too. And then it felt like everybody kind of cooled off at the same time, right when you needed it the most. Right, those last few games of the regular season. You mentioned they still had a chance to get a top four seed. I mean, they had a chance to win the league outright. Um, that tough call against Troy kind of felt like it derailed the whole season, right? I mean, it, it feels like they never recovered. It from was that. a snowball effect. Now they played a little bit. They played okay in the in the games immediately after that, but then there was just this big drop off, and you know, it just it's tough to uh, tough to see. Last night, you know, if if you were going to lose that game, you'd uh, you'd like to felt like you you know played your best game or or close to it, played a really good game, and then. Maybe just happened to App State had, you know, hit more shots than you. But you give up 51 points in a tournament game, you feel like you're going to win it. And to not even you, – you Not win, when you score 14 points and a half. Well, you know, yeah. And and three of those were on a, a half-court heave at the buzzer, too. At the so buzzer. Like, they really had 11 points of offense in that first half. So that's not going to win very many games. Uh, not, not very many at all. And so – It's rough. And – you can just hear it in his voice. Like he just he you can just hear it in in, in Gary's bro- voice. And look, his teams are usually built for the tournament. Even though they're not offensively the the smoothest team to watch traditionally. Because of the way they play defense, they're always built for the tournament. And here's the thing it's not as if App State was lighting them up in the first half, Dawson. No. They held minute. App State to 21 points and they held them to 27% shooting so defensively they did their job but this team we've talked about it offensively has been a struggle all season they lost Brandy Williams before the start of the year she was going to be their primary scorer she is a shooter they didn't have her and they never were able to kind of figure out how to be efficient on offense and when your defense gave you a chance and they were dominant but you only scored 14 points against a team that won 11 games. Well, and that's the other thing that's that's kind of discouraging is that this wasn't a bad matchup. We kind of talked about they they probably didn't want to play Arkansas State because they didn't like the matchup of how well those the Red Wolves were playing, and they also just usually struggle against them. 
You avoided that. You played a team in App State that you beat by 14 in Boone during the regular season. I mean, it felt like a great draw. We even talked about the second round still feeling like it felt like there was a path for them despite that they weren't playing their best basketball. But that was, of course, all contingent on them turning things around and and playing well. And they didn't do that. Um, And, yeah, I think going back to the Brandy Williams injury, that has a lot to do with it. But this team, you know, they found ways without her. So it was kind of a... You know, in the end, maybe she would have been the one that came through and kind of pulled them out of the shooting slump. And, but you and expected like that. more from Tamara Johnson, and you expected more from Destiny Rice. Young women had been with the program for a couple of years that are veterans. Yeah, but the good news here is, is you know, it's they are still young. Like they, they're only going to lose, I believe, what Sherry Porter, and that's that's it. So from the from the girls who played last night, so. You know, Tamara will be back, and D. Rice and and Lene and those girls can kind of try to run this thing back. And this was, you know, the natural progression of this program felt like maybe this was going to be a bigger year. But I think they're kind of set up to still run it back next year with the same core. And you know, they need, a, but they need to find a shooter. Well, yeah, there, there's certainly things they need to address, and and we'll see kind of how the roster shapes up, and and you know whether you get some, you know. Some new transfer pieces in, Maybe or whatever you, you know, portal. you brought in. Yeah, you brought in a grad transfer this year in Sherry Porter, so that's going to be another option. But there's certainly some holes, but I do think the core is there and the foundation is there, and, and Coach Broadhead's team will be back. And look, the Sunbelt Conference. This is a new look Sunbelt. We kind of talked about that in the men's side a lot, but it's the same on the women's side. And I agree. We saw a ton of teams up at the top, and some of those teams are going to lose a lot. Some of them are going to bring back a lot, and the conference should be, you know, in, in a pretty good spot for next year. So we'll see how the rest of the tournament shapes up, and you know, I'm sure Coach Broadhead will have the uh, have the girls ready to go come November. And Gary talked about that. He talked about the the room for growth for this team, even though they ended the season in disappointing fashion. Well, I mean, I think we got a lot of growth. Uh, you know, that's what we were talking about. If we, you know. Uh, just three weeks ago, we or four weeks ago, we were in first place in the conference, tied for first place, or we had an opportunity to tie for first, and uh, we felt that we got it, it slipped away from us, and it just kind of, kind of fell back. But that happens with youth, man, inconsistency and stuff like that. You know, you lose that game. I think that game took a lot out of us, and we, I think we lost the next three out of four, uh, which made it pretty tough. So, I mean, I, I, I think the potential is there, but you know, potential is a scary word too now. Because if you don't get out and work, and uh, that's one thing that I think we're going to do, you know, as long as I've been there, we work, man. I don't care if we have a, a young team, an old team, a great team, or a bad team. We're going to go out and work, man. And, you know, adding the teams in the conference, I think, made the conference a lot tougher, too. The travel was just, well, brutal. So that doesn't hurt, help a young team at all. They have room to grow. They're going to have to, you know, th- this team will be more experienced. You'll have some leadership for next season, which will be great. you got to find shooters, whether that's in the NCAA transfer portal or whether that's through the JUCO ranks or something because it, you got girls that can hustle, that can play defense, that buy into your philosophy. But if you want to take the next step and get back to trying to compete for conference championships, you got to have someone that can shoot the basketball. And right now they don't. And I'm not trying to be mean. We're not trying to be mean. It's just that's the reality right now for Coach Broadhead is he's got to get some shooters in. If he gets some shooters, they could be right in the mix again easily. We got to take a timeout. When we return, we'll update the poll question of the day, and we'll uh, take your phone calls. Game hotline's open, 337-706-0111. That's 337-706-0111. 
This is RP3 and Company on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Here on RP3 and Company, we talk about the sports you know and love. Baseball, football, basketball, and soccer. Isn't this great, man? I love soccer. Here we go, Galaxy. Here we go. Okay, maybe not soccer, but we'll try to do our best. Back to more knowledgeable sports talk with RP3 and Company on On the the game. game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Whole question of the day. We asked you about what type of sports memorabilia would you value the most? Is it a signed jersey? Is it a signed baseball card? Is it a game-worn jersey? Or is it a milestone home run ball? 41% of you say a milestone home run ball. 28% say a signed jersey. 25% say a game-worn jersey. 6% say a signed baseball card. Hart on Twitter says, my prized possession would be an autographed bench cushion from Zion or Michael Thomas. Hashtag not salty. <laughs> it's pretty good. It's pretty, I like that. It's pretty, it's pretty good. Um, all right, D'Lo. What are some of your prized possessions, sports memorabilia-wise? Are you a big sports memorabilia guy, first of all? And secondly, what do you have in the collection? What, what's in the man cave? Well, we've we've got mini helmets. That's kind of been where I've at, been at recently. So um, they're so cool, right? The mini yeah, helmets. Yeah, and it's they, so it doesn't take up too much space. Take, and they're perfect for autographs. Oh yeah, yeah. So I've got a few there. I got so went through a phase where I was going to Dave and Buster's a lot with the lady. Um, so basically, we were racking up tickets over there, and they have this little thing called a mystery box where it's a mini helmet. It's a guaranteed. They do it for jerseys too, but I I thought the best deal was on the mini helmets. Okay. So I got a couple of those. So you don't know who you're getting. You don't know the team or the person or anything. Oh, like so, that. so it's but just it's, random. Yeah, but it's a guaranteed, you know, signed mini helmet. So I have That's a cool. couple of those. I got Charles White USC. Um, oh, nice. So Heisman winner there. Actually, both Heisman winners. My other one is Ty Detmer from BYU. So, you know, when I opened the BYU one, I thought it was, and I saw a T. I thought it was Taysom Hill. I got really fired up. <laughs> <laughs> Not to say it's a disappointment for it to be Ty Detmer. Ty Detmer was an incredible so how did player. Dave, so how does Dave and Buster's get their hands on autographed mini helmets of Heisman Trophy winners? It's a well, so it's this company that does these things. So I I, I don't know what the company's called, but they basically uh, they so it's 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 boxed and it's packaged, you know, with that company's logo on. It's like a sports memorabilia company, you know, that just so they essentially compile all these. I guess I don't know how they get them, but then they you know. And then they package them out. So then it's fun because, you know, it's exciting. You don't know who you're going to get. You know, you could get. And so then they'll show you on the, you know, on the picture, like, you know, of course it'll have like Tom Brady and like Peyton Manning, like all the ones you could get. It doesn't have all of them, but it has some of the examples you could get. And but. this is, so so I've only been to a Dave & Buster's once. I enjoyed myself thoroughly. I, I, I described Dave & Buster's. It was in Jacksonville years ago. I went. Went to go see a friend down there and we went to Dave & Buster's. I had never been. It's like Chuck E. Cheese for adults. 
Yeah, is yeah, a good way of describing yeah. it. So you're telling me so. Now I'm intrigued. Now I feel like I have to go to Dave and Buster's. The nearest one is well in New Orleans. Yeah, right? but guess what? Lafayette coming right oh, by the Costco. That's, right. that's announced. So oh, that's going to be coming there. We soon. go. And so yeah, no, I mean it, it's a lot of fun. And we we started. It was kind of it became a weekly thing for us for a while. Um, and we would nice. you know we figured out all the deals and the best times to go and stuff. But uh, so and we started figuring out the games that could kind of maximize the tickets. You know the games right. we were good at and stuff. So that was that was fun. I haven't been in a while actually. But anyway, that no, I'm sorry. I've been to Dave & Buster's a second time. Okay. That was for SEC Media Days in Hoover because there's a Dave & Buster's in the Galleria Mall. There you go. And our media party, they shut down the Dave & Buster's just for all the media folks, and they gave us like a, a gift card. We had uh, all-you-can-eat and all-you-can-drink, and then they gave us a card with uh, credits on it to go play the games. There you go. We're kind of we're yeah. going against the no-free ads here. <laughs> But, uh, a, little, a little bit. So I'll move on it. from Dave and Buster's, but <laughs> that's kind of how the mini helmet collection started. I also was gifted our senior gifts for high school football when I graduated. When I was a senior, we got uh, our own team's mini helmet, a co- you know, a replica of our team's helmet. So I have my high school team, and then I got you know UL, Florida State. Like I've added to the collection. Those aren't signed or anything, but those are uh, those are just I have the, the total for me collection. for the mini helmets. I have the mini helmets of the teams, all the teams I've covered in my career. So people ask, well, what do you have? So I have Northwestern State, which was the first team I ever covered when I worked up in Alexandria. And I have then uh, Lamar, because I worked in Beaumont at the newspaper there, and I covered the Lamar Cardinals football team. So I have that. I also have a Southland Conference mini helmet, because I was like, well, why not? And then I also have new logo unveiled yesterday. You saw that? Yeah, I, we'll, we'll, we'll I have like a conversation it. about that. I like it. Yeah, it's it's, it's new. And then I also have LSU, who I've covered. I have Raging Cajuns mini helmet, who I've covered, and McNeese, there and this and uh, the Saints. So I have uh, the teams that I covered. Uh, I do love the mini helmets. Now I have a Washington Redskins mini helmet signed by Brian Mitchell. So uh, that's that's at the house. Um, I have. A, even though I'm not an LSU fan, I have a signed LSU mini uh, baseball helmet by Warren Morse, which is pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, so uh, I love – the mini helmets are perfect because you can get – you can display them. They, they First of all, they don't take up as much space as you said. They also also can be easily put in like a display case, a little mini glass display case. Um, but the mini helmets are cool. Uh, also, bobbleheads – or thing that I like. Um, so I do enjoy having different uh, bobbleheads as well. Now, I know a lot of people are like big collectors in, bo- in like sports bobbleheads. Like they're obsessed with it. Like you should see folks. Last year we went to an Astros game. I went to one Astros game last year. It was the regular season finale against the Phillies of all teams. And they gave away, you know, gave away bobbleheads there and stuff like that. And, you, people go crazy, man. Like some people yeah. just go to go get the bobbleheads and then leave the game. Well, you know, you know what the problem is with the sports memorabilia community, and I've seen this come up, and I don't want to get too far on the oh sports memorabilia community. You're about to be put on blast by D'Lo. No, not at all. And if you're respectful about it, there's no issues. But the adults <laughs> who push kids out of the way to get autographs oh, no. and they're trying to sell people. them, or the ones that are really, really horrible, are the ones who get who use kids 
to get the autographs yes. for themselves and then they're to yes. go sell it and stuff. Yeah, it's terrible. I do have a problem with that stuff. But it's if terrible. you're respectful about getting your autographs and you're, you know, respect then there's no issues there. But that is something. But I did remember my prize possession, sports memorabilia wise. I've mentioned in the past, my dad and I were season ticket holders to the New Orleans Voodoo. The Shout arena out to football the voodoo. team. Arena football. I've got a Steve Belisari signed New Orleans Voodoo jersey. So nice. It's, it's Steve, I haven't checked what Steve's up to these days. <laughs> Lefty could sling it. He could you know, sling it, Back bud. in the I arena like that. days. And then I have a team. I have an autographed team football from basically the whole team that year because that was the thing. Every after the game, you know, you just kind of go on the field and hang out with everybody. Yeah. That was a thing. So that I was like, a fun time. Well, I like that, man. That's nice. Mm-hmm. See, see, my wife is not a big collector, right? My wife, Tina. Uh, our daughter Hattie, I don't think she's a big. Well, I stand corrected. Our daughter Hattie is a big collector because uh, I, I have a photo on my phone from a couple weeks ago where she lined up all of her stuffies, her stuffed animals, and, th- and there's like twenty plus. And we purged. She gave away like a dozen about a couple months ago <laughs> to charity. So my daughter, I do believe, has a bit of the collecting gene from her dad. So that could be, uh, you know. <laughs> Now, my wife, Tina, doesn't collect anything. She, nah. If it was, you know, she doesn't collect anything except for, you know, she is big into, you know, kitchen, uh, you know, pots and pans and stuff like that. You know, she always asks me to buy her stuff like that. So that's her jam. But being a collector and needing like a, a man cave or she shed space, nah, nah, that's not how it is. Or she is, or she often tells me I married a minimalist hippie. So I, I kind of did. I kind of did. Keep voting on our poll question of the day. Leave your comments on Facebook and Twitter, and we'll make sure to share it throughout today's show. Coming up here on the game, LSUE men. They began their playoff journey last night. Unfortunately, it came to an end. Dawson was there. He'll give us a recap of what happened. That's coming up next right here on the game. This is RP3 and Company on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. RP3 grew up dreaming of one day playing right field for the Atlanta Braves, just like his hero, Dale Murphy. I wanted to grow up and be Dale Murphy. Little Raymond, though, wasn't quite the caliber of athlete of his childhood hero as his lone highlights as a ball player were being beamed twice in the head. That actually explains a lot. Back to more RP3 and company on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Meridian is a well-coached team, very disciplined. I thought they came in with a a mindset of of attacking. Uh, We knew that uh, Christian Terrell was going to be a handful for us, and nobody in Region 23 has stopped him. So, you know, we thought we could at least uh, force him to his right a little bit more, but he he knows how to get downhill and get others involved and, and just run the show. Yeah, tough one there last night for LSUE. I was in the house on the Cajun Prairie. Love the facilities and everything they have over there, by the way, though, which was my first time visiting the campus of LSUE. Um, but, look, the Bengals were the, were the you know, pretty considerable favorites in this one um, this, as the second seed, got the first round by, got the home playoff game, kind of took the next step in the progression from that standpoint from last year 
uh, with what Coach Starks was able to do, but just never, never really got things going in this game. They uh, they struggled mightily from outside. They didn't shoot the basketball well. They didn't really create offense. I didn't think they had very many good offensive sets. Meridian, you know, credit to them. They played with a ton of energy, and this wasn't easy for them. They had to play on Monday. Of course, they played in the first round against Holmes um, and then had to travel, which was not an easy trip for them to come all the way from Meridian uh, over here, and they came out with more energy, and they kind of they kind of beat Coach Starks' squad in, in all facets, really. You know, which was surprising because LSUE has kind of been building something. Now, I know this was a bit of a rebuilding year for the program, Okay, and the fact that they had such a good season finishing 19 and 4 overall was probably maybe a little bit of a surprise. Maybe they overachieved a tad. But it, it couldn't have been just the fact that Chris Terrell, you know, had a great game. Yeah. Right. I mean, it, it had to be other guys had to contribute here. And, you know, you were there in the house watching it. You, know, you mentioned energy. Was it the energy coming back on defense? Was it. Just how they they attacked offensively? Did, were the Bengals slow to kind of recover? Did things just kind of steamroll? I mean, what what was it? Well, I look. I thought Meridian played really really well uh, defensively. I thought rotationally they were not out of position often at all. Um, and LSUE wasn't able to hit enough outside shots to kind of break some of that pressure. They weren't able. Bryce Roberts wasn't great and. You know, overall, I, I just thought it was sluggish offensively for the for the Bengals, which you wouldn't expect from a team averaging almost 80 points a game. And Coach Starks kind of talked afterwards about what made the offense struggle. Yeah, well, I, I just think even from the start of the game, we looked like we were a little uh, quick to the trigger on the certain. And, I, you know, generally we like to do those kind of things. But at the end of it all, our execution was not great. You know, we, we have our um, uh, continuity offense, guys just – did not move. I don't know if it was the the layoff, uh, but also it, uh, uh, Meridian had a part to do in that as well. They played a great uh, defensive game. Um, nothing that we haven't seen this year. You know, we played some pretty good competition in in, in um, uh, McLennan and Chipola, and so we faced tough teams. But I just thought tonight we just it just wasn't our night. They had an off night, and it happens. Unfortunately for them, it happens in the playoffs and now they're done I do wonder especially at that level junior college level if getting the bye actually hurts you yeah and, and I I did ask coach about that and, and he kind of said he thought maybe it had something to do with it but you know the the interesting thing is this is the first time they've had that bye last year they played in the first round of the playoffs and won that game and you know, I, I I did think that certainly was a was a factor. Now the, the weird thing though is that LSU, I mean, this game was very close early. It was about with about eight minutes left in the first half where Meridian went on a run and extended the lead up to like eight or nine points and had an eight point lead at the half. And then they never, you know, the Bengals never really got back in it. Bryce Roberts, their leading scorer, he hit three threes in the first half. He was that was probably the only three threes that LSU hit in that first half, I believe. And he didn't hit one in the second half, and he was off. He didn't hit his shots, and it was just kind of an off night. I think that that sums it up. They and, and LSU had a size advantage inside. They never quite went down into it. PJ Dubol as a you know a guy six eight six nine. They had some guys that I didn't think Meridian maybe could match up with, but they weren't able to get the ball inside. But you know, yeah, it's tough when it comes down to these one game situations, and that's something that Coach Starks talked about. And you know, I asked him 
what he was still able to take away from the season, and he made sure to let us know that you know this team still accomplished a lot. You know, 31 consecutive wins, four championships, and those sophomores have won two of those. And I just think they've laid a solid foundation. I don't think we can, you know, hold our head down on anything that we've accomplished. And uh, we, we just, you know, try to get more guys in like like we have, and guys that can come up and you know help this institution become better and better. There's plenty to still be positive about, and Byron Sarks is a, a very good coach. He's done a tremendous job there on the Cajun Prairie, building that program from scratch and, and taking it to being a, a perennial playoff team and conference championship winning program. So disappointing end to the season for the Bengals, but the future's still bright with what Coach Starks is building over there in Eunice. That's going to do it for hour number two. Hour number three. We're going to kick it off talking Saints and Pels with Les East of CrescentCitySports.com. That's next right here on The Game. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Everything, everything, everything going to be all right this morning. Live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette, here is producer Dawson Iserlow and your big, bald, beautiful host, Raymond Parts III, better known as RP3. Oh, me, oh, my crawfish pie. Final hour has arrived of RP3 and company. But don't be sad. We still got great stuff lined up for you here in the final hour. We got some good guests for you as we close up shop on this Thursday edition of the show. Seth Lewis, KATC Sports Director, is going to join us talking Raging Cajuns, talking a little high school hoops. That'll be coming up in half an hour from right now. But right now, it's time for us to talk New Orleans Saints, New Orleans Pelicans with the man who covers both of those franchises for CrescentCitySports.com. Our good friend Les East joins us. Les, good morning to you, brother. How are you, my friend? I'm doing well, Raymond. How are you? I'm doing good, bud. I'm doing good. So let's start off with the Pelicans. They snapped their four-game skid last night on the road at Portland. Uh, B.I. goes off for 40 points. They even get 15 points from Jackson Hayes, who may have played the best 16 minutes of his NBA career last night. They snap the skid, and that's good. They get a road win. That's good, especially against a a team nipping at their heels in the standings. But are you still concerned about the roster and how it's configured and how this team is going to be able to win games? Because you can't depend on B.I. to score you 40 points every night, right? So are you still concerned about this team's chances coming down the stretch in the last 19 games? Sure. Uh, you know, it's important that they they won the first game of what's going to be uh, a challenging three-game trip. they still got to go. I believe it's Golden State and Sacramento. So uh, getting, making sure that they're not going to get swept, first off, was important. Now, and I think anything else they get on this trip would be Lanyap. But, uh, so that was uh, important. They were in desperate need of a win. But... Um, yeah, they. You still don't know when Zion Williamson's coming back. They're gonna um, do some more imaging in about a week. Uh, you know, if they get good news, maybe he can be back in in two to three weeks. Uh, but now you have 
Jose Alvarado's out at least three weeks. Larry Dance Jr. is out at least two weeks. So uh, that their rotation is once again being disrupted, uh, and they weren't playing that well to begin with. So that there are still a lot of concerns. Now they did get Dyson Daniels back, uh, which helped, especially with Alvarado going out. It helps their depth in the backcourt. It helps their defense in the backcourt, which they needed desperately. So. Uh, they, they temporarily stopped the bleeding, but there's still a lot of concerns about the way they, they've been playing overall and about who's going to be available over the next two to three weeks. When you see this team play offensively, we'll start there. Because this is a team with pretty much the same roster they had last year when they made the run and got into the playing tournament and won the playing tournament. And they did it all without Zion, and they're having to play without Zion again. Yet the team looks different, especially offensively. Why is that, Les, in your opinion? Why have they not been able to just you know, reboot and go back to what they did last season when they didn't have Zion either? Well, I think there are a couple of reasons. I don't know that I can really explain why they're – problems, but they, they I think they are contributing to the problems I've had on the offensive end. One is that they've not been playing very good defense, so that they've not been getting a lot of points in transition and getting easy baskets um, off of their defense because they're not playing good defense, so that complicates things a little bit. But then when they're in a the half court, they don't seem to be moving the basketball and sharing the basketball as well as they have at times. And there have been times this season when they have done that exceptionally well, but they have not done it recently. And I I think part of that is the transition to getting Brandon Ingram back because he needs to have the ball in his hands quite a bit to be totally effective. And he was, uh, you know, extremely effective against the Blazers, and he has been in some other games. But, you know, when the ball goes to him, it mostly stops, and then he tends to ISO and and go one-on-one and and can be very effective doing that. So finding that balance between giving him the ball and letting him be Brandon is one thing, but then moving it uh, and getting other people involved is another thing, and it's a delicate balance between the two. And, and part of that is I think he's got to do a better job of knowing when to go ISO and when to move the ball to teammates, but also his teammates have to do a better job of moving the ball and not just throwing it into him and standing around and watching. So I think that transition has not gone as quickly as they would have liked, and then I think the defense has to be consistently better so that they can get more easy baskets. Defensively, they struggle. And I'm curious because I saw strides of them being a better defensive team last year and maybe even early in this season, but they just are not a very efficient defensive ball club. What's the one thing that is glaring to you that stands out in that regard? Well, I'm not sure exactly what it is, and I'm not sure Willie Green can can totally put his finger on it. But uh, you know, usually when when basketball teams' defense isn't going as well as they would like, they always talk about communication. 
and uh, you know, switching and uh, communicating with each other so that they know who has to um, switch when somebody else is going to switch, and, and so that they're covered so they don't give up easy baskets. And so I'm guessing that that's one area where they would like to do better is uh, to, to communicate with one another about uh, when uh, double teams, about switching, about things like that. So everybody's on the same page and they don't leave gaps in the defense. So that's one thing. But that shouldn't be happening this far into the season, even if you've had some injuries. So uh, that's something that that's not really an excuse, but I think it is something that they need to be better at. Uh, I do think some of the younger players are uh, having some confidence issues, and and Herb Jones certainly is uh, probably their best one-on-one defender, but I think problems on the offensive end that maybe have affected him on the defensive end to some degree, and I don't know that they've figured out the the best rotation um you know bringing in josh richardson i think was a good move but it's also required some uh adaptation on everybody's part especially now that they put him in the starting lineup so i I just think there's a lot of things going on that have uh contributed to some continuity problems but i i don't know i can fully explain why that is What's the latest you can tell us about Zion Williamson and when do we think he could return? There's only 19 games left in the regular season. Or are we looking at possibly him not returning at all? Well, I'd have to say it's possible. I, I don't think that's the expectation at this point. I, I, I believe it's next Tuesday. They're going to get new imaging on the hamstring and they're going to uh, have an update then. I don't believe they're going to say uh, oh, it's healed. He's going to play in the next game on Wednesday. You know, that would be Wednesday night against the Mavericks. But, you know, the last time they talked, they said it would be, uh, he would miss multiple weeks after the All Star game, which meant that, uh, next Wednesday would have been the earliest he could come back. I don't think that's going to happen, but we could know by next Wednesday that, he is uh, what the timetable is, and then perhaps he could be back a week after that. My expectation was that the best-case scenario was going to be the second or third, probably the third week of March. And so they have a busy week. They get back home from this trip. They, they play Wednesday, Saturday, Sunday next week. Best-case scenario, I think, would be that he would come back next weekend uh, when they play Saturday, Sunday, but um, you know, uh, again, I think that's best case. Uh, two weeks, a week and a half to two weeks after they get the imaging, I think would be realistic. But there's always that dreaded setback that we could hear about, and if that happens, then you have to wonder if he's going to come back. But at this point, I think the expectation is that he will be back, and he will be back in March. But we'll see. We're talking with Les East of CrescentCitySports.com. He joins us here on RP3 and Company. Uh, I know the Western Conference is wide open. I know there's a log jam in the standings from three all the way down to ten. So if they can string together some wins here, they could easily improve their standing and possibly even avoid the play-in tournament. But that said, with the way they have played basketball the last few months, I'm not as optimistic about those chances. I feel like they're probably locked in as a play-in tournament team. 
What do you say, Les? Well, what I would say is that it's not just tightly bunched from three to ten; it's three to thirteen. So they can uh, they could fall out of the play-in tournament as easily as they could ascend beyond the play-in tournament. So, yeah, they could still get to the top six, but they also could fall out of the top ten and not even make the play-in tournament. That's certainly in the mix. Now, the the Lakers, even though they won last night, they have a, a real problem with LeBron James uh, being out multiple weeks and, and Anthony Davis uh, being hobbled right now. So they, they may fade, uh, but, you know, and Oklahoma City has started to fade a bit, so that helps, but you still have Minnesota in there. Uh, you have between 11 and 13 teams with a realistic shot at 10 spots, so they're, they're not guaranteed anything. I think there's if they get healthy, if they get Williamson back, they should be in the top ten, and they still have enough time to get into the top six. But at this point, it's anything is possible, and it's all day to day. And I think I've said this before that you know the main thing is that Williamson gets healthy because if they're a playing team with Williamson, they have better chances than being a top six team without him. Les, let's switch over to the New Orleans Saints while we have a few minutes here. Uh, reports were Derek Carr was being interviewed in Indianapolis, home of the NFL Scouting Combine, uh, Combine, a.k.a. the Underwear Olympics. He was meeting with the Saints, the Panthers, and the Jets. I still feel like the Saints are the front runner to sign Derek Carr, but I also feel like the Panthers may pose the biggest threat what do you say about that, and when do you think a deal will actually get done here? Because Carr has had the most time of any of the quarterbacks that are going to be on the market of being able to be wined and dined by teams. So when can we expect something to be done? Yeah, I would think, and it seems like I say this every week, and it never happens, but I do think it's going to happen fairly quickly. He's. It looks like uh, it's down to those three teams, and he's been desperately trying to add teams to the mix because I think he's trying to drive up the price, and and understandably so. And I think it was smart on his part to go to the combine, meet again with the Saints, meet again with the the Jets, and try and get the Panthers in there, with, at least with the impression that they are a, a last minute suitor that might light a fire under the Saints and the Jets. And then you have the Aaron Rodgers wild card with potentially being a factor in New York. So, you know, he's he's playing it for all he can to try and drive up the price, which is what he should be doing uh, for his own best interest. But uh, it looks like it, it's these three teams. Uh, his agent kind of downplayed the Panthers early in the process. It looks like maybe they are more of a factor now. But uh, there's not a whole lot more to be learned here, okay? He's visited twice now with, with two of these teams. I don't think there's a, a fourth or fifth team out there anywhere. So there's not really anything to hold it up other than him trying to maximize the contract he can get. I think the combine was probably his last opportunity to play these teams off against one another. And I think the Saints, at least, uh, are getting a little antsy about getting a deal uh, done quickly. So I would think it's definitely going to happen before the full-scale uh, free agency begins. I think it's on the 15th. I don't think he wants to still be out there when other quarterbacks get into the mix 
because free agency begins. So I think uh, he's going to want a, a deal done as well as the teams do here within two weeks, and I think it could happen faster than that. One more before we let you go, brother. Running back was always going to be an area uh, that they were going to need to address uh, because of the lack of depth on the roster and then the usage of Alvin Kamara. Now he's going to be more than likely facing a suspension, a lengthy one. Could we see the Saints, Mickey Loomis and company, draft a running back with either one of those first two round picks that they have in this year's draft? They could. Uh, I think they definitely will draft a running back. The question is how high they've had success over the years, including Alvin Kamara, uh, of getting uh, getting someone after the first couple of rounds who, who's been very productive. And I think this is supposed to be a pretty good year uh, for running backs in the draft. So I, I, they may think that they can get good value perhaps in the third or fourth round. Um, but uh, – so I, I don't know what round they will address it, but I think they definitely will draft a running back, and I wouldn't rule out one or two. And uh, certainly whether or not they have Derek Carr under contract is going to factor into who they they pick because uh, quarterback could, uh, could also be on their radar high in the draft. Brother, appreciate your time. As always, keep up the tremendous work you're doing for CrescentCitySports.com, my friend, and we'll talk to you next week, bud. Thanks, Raymond. This is RP3 and Company on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Alexa and the game make a great team. Do yourself a favor and enable the Alexa skill, the game Southwest Louisiana, so you can keep it locked in to the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, wherever you go. If you're looking to get some improvement in your golf game, if you're looking for some real-world practical ways of helping your game, then you need to check out Skill Masters. It's this great new app that boosts players and coaches' development and exposure. We spend a lot of time talking about it every Thursday morning here in RP3 and Company, and we're going to do so again this morning, and that's when we're going to welcome back in Thomas Wartell. He is Skill Masters Golf Pro, their coach extraordinaire. Thomas, good morning to you, brother. How are you? I'm doing great, man. How you? How are you doing? I'm doing amazing. The weather is starting to get nice again, so I can uh, start actually using uh, these tips, this advice that you're giving me to help improve my golf game. Uh, now, whether or not I do that in front of a large crowd of people, that remains to be seen. But maybe eventually we can get to that point, brother. No, we're gonna have you rocking it by the end of this year. <laughs> I love, I love the enthusiasm. And let's let, let's start there, man. Just talking to you the last few weeks. Uh, obviously, you have a vision. You know your stuff. You know the game of golf. You know front to back, so to speak. And it's so positive. And I get done with our conversations. I'm like, man, yeah, I can do this. I can do this. How important is it? For you and your staff, with the Skill Masters app, when you're working with these young adults, when you're working with these teenagers or kids or even, you know, uh, regular middle-aged guys, how important is positivity to your approach and encouragement in the approach? Oh, it's, it's uh, 100%. There's, there's actually a true story out there of a guy. He was actually uh, in, during Vietnam, and he was uh, – he was a, you know, he was a golfer who shot like 88, 90, and he was actually imprisoned. And uh, when he was imprisoned, he had nothing. He, he was trying to figure out how to keep his mind occupied. And, and he would actually 
go through every day. I think he was in prison for a couple of years. Every single day, he would go through in his mind a round of golf of him hitting the ball and and uh, playing and, and hitting the shot the way he wanted, and he was envisioning the golf course that he was going to play and everything. And sure enough, the first round back after the war is over, the first round back that he's, he plays, he shoots like 73 or 74. That's a true story. That just goes to show you how strong the mind is. And, and you take it to another level, like tour players, and one of the things we talk about at Skill Masters in the, the academy is, you know, one of the premises is uh, technique, feel, and play in the game. Well, I guess mind and positivity falls under the play in the game part. So playing the game is building confidence, obviously, uh, having your skill set to where it's so solid, but it's also recreating the, the game time scenarios. And, and one of the things that the tour pros do so well is they're so into a routine. And we talk about that in some of our, uh, some of our drills and, and skills at Skillmaster, and we, we really drive home the point that you've got to create a routine and uh, if, if you look at, like, a tour player, Tiger, for example, Tiger Woods, when he's putting, sometimes he, he takes his hands and he cups it around his eyes, almost like a tunnel. And we call that tunnel vision. And, and, and that's a, you know, he's really pinpoint focused. He's not focused on the hole. He's focused on a small point where he wants the ball to roll over to get into that hole. You know, the other thing that stands out to me, is that golf is one of those games, and it may be the best example of this, Thomas, is if you allow yourself to get discouraged, if you have a bad shot, if you shank your drive, if you dump it into the pond around the island green, your round and your day can spiral in a heartbeat if you let it. And so many of the best golfers in the world, they are so mentally tough that when they have a bad shot, they learn how to flush it by the time they get to the next tee box. How critical is that to be a successful golfer, not only on the PGA Tour, where they're millionaires and they're winning majors, but just from the local guy playing at the country club down the road? No, it, it's huge. It's a, it's a, and that's one of the things that even separates like a, a good college golfer from a tour player. A lot of it's just the, the mental toughness. You hardly ever see a tour player who hit two bad shots in a row. Everyone hits bad shots. They play in a, a zone, and they're not expecting perfection, but they're expecting solid results, and, and they, they live in a world where they're not afraid to fail because they know they can get themselves out of trouble on the next shot. The, the other thing that, that happens from a mental aspect is, you know, as a – Think about it. When you play golf, you literally beat yourself up for five, five straight hours. I mean, how many other things in life? I mean, you're a professional in the media industry, and if you make a boo-boo on the radio, you don't beat yourself up for five straight hours. You just, you know, you're, you're so good that you know you can, you know, you know, work your way out of it or whatever. But well, golf, Thomas, you, I, I don't have to worry about beating myself up because if I screw up, a caller will let me know about it and then another one. <laughs> yeah, that's right. But, <laughs> but, but, you know, think about it, you know, like a, 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 I see it all the time, a successful lawyer, a successful doctor, like a surgeon. You know, he, he's, he's not afraid when, he's, when, he's, when he has that scalpel and he's doing uh, open-heart surgery, but he gets on the golf course and he hits one bad shot and then he's calling himself every name under the book and beating himself up. And, and you, your body can only take so much beating up. One of the things that the players do, successful players do, is they don't think – Negative, and, and here's a great point. I bet you when you get on a hole and you see water right and out of bounds left, the first thing you tell yourself, oh, don't hit it right in the water. Don't hit it left out of bounds. 
Well, the brain actually really, the subconscious brain doesn't really understand negative don't. So you're just telling yourself, hit it out of bounds, hit it in the water, hit it out of bounds, hit it in the water. You're just telling yourself, every time you say don't hit out of bounds, you're telling yourself, hit it out of bounds. So what you need to do, like a tour player, is going to pick a pinpoint spot, maybe a bunker at the, you know, 350 yards out that he can't quite reach, and he's going to say, I'm going to hit it right at that bunker. And he sees that tunnel vision, and then he smokes it right at the bunker. And if he does hit a bad shot, he just chalks it up. Oh, there was an anomaly. There was a glitch in the system. And they have confidence to work their way out of trouble. And they typically, lastly, on their scoring, they're so good that they can mitigate the damage. So golf is about mitigating damage and staying positive at the same time. Instead of making a triple bogey, they might make a bogey. You know, obviously, when you're an adult, you come to the game of golf with a different skill set. You also come with it with maybe some different baggage, maybe some bad habits, right? And, and that's part of the thing that you guys help older golfers try to break. What about the young pups? What about the 10, 12-year-old uh, young boys and girls that are signing up for this app? What's one of the first things that you and your staff make sure to implement with them, teach them, the youngins that just have picked up the game? Yeah, that's a great, great question because when you're young and you're just picking up the game, you can actually build on solid foundation fundamentals. If somebody's been playing golf for 40 years and they have a certain bad pattern in their golf swing, it's really tough to change that. We can uh, we can contain it a little bit, so that's a different kind of teaching. So that kind of teaching is we try to soften the uh, the flaws, but if you get a a beginner or a young person who's actually the ideal because their brains are still absorbing everything, you can really get them with a good, solid grip. I call it GPA, grip, posture, alignment. So we can get them really set up well with a grip. Because if you have a good grip, it, it, it helps eliminate a lot of future flaws in the backswing and the downswing. And if you have a good posture and, of course, good alignment, and alignment also includes, you know, balance and, and all sorts of things. But, yeah, it's, it's definitely the, a beginner, especially a young beginner. We're trying to build on the foundations of, uh, of GPA, grip, posture, alignment. Thomas, this was great as always. Brother, thank you so much for making the time. And uh, let me ask you, man, uh, weather's starting to get nice, uh, not only here in Louisiana. Got some nice 70, 80-degree weather, nice breeze outside. Uh, it's kind of that way across the country a little bit. You're going to be spending your time this weekend out on, on the course just having some fun? Oh, for sure, for sure. And I'm looking out the window right now. That wind's blowing. Typically, we get a lot of March winds here. Uh, great time for you to come learn how to hit a little knockdown shot so that wind doesn't blow you all over the golf course. Brother, appreciate the time. We'll talk to you next week, bud. Thank you, man. See you. This is RP3 and Company on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. RP3 is known across Acadiana as a master of the English language. You look at all the guys that they got. Clinton Anukoraru, oof, and I don't know how to pronounce this young man's name. TJ Falola. More like a master of broken English, that is. They also added an inside linebacker, Casey Wasawi. These names are killing me, man. I even practiced last night. Me fail English? That's impossible. Now back to that silky smooth delivery of RP3 and Company on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station.
Uh, don't forget to get your thoughts, your comments in, and your votes in for the poll question of the day. What type of sports memorabilia would you value the most? Is it a signed jersey? Is it a signed baseball card? Is it a game-worn jersey like the one Joe Montana wore in two Super Bowls that went for a record auction price? Or is it a milestone home run ball? Right now, milestone, milestone home run ball leads the vote with 38%. 33% for a signed jersey, 25% for a game-worn jersey, and 4% for a signed baseball card. Get those votes in. Get those comments in before we sign off on today's edition of RP3 and Company. Woo! It's time for us to talk a little Louisiana Raging Cajuns. It's time to talk a little high school basketball playoffs with the sports director over at KTC. Our friend Seth Lewis joins us. Seth, good morning, bud. How are you? Good morning, man. I'm great. I'm, I'm trying to debate what sports memorabilia what I want, honestly. Uh, I think it would be a trading card. I, I do. I think it would be a signed trading card because I've had a few of those before. So that, that's pretty cool. All right, you, I'm going to have to ask you, and it's going to come off as maybe like a flex here. What do you got? What, what's the signed trading card? What, what's the thing, the most prized sports memorabilia possession you got, brother? Well, it's it's a little bit of a sad story. Because um, I had, like, a signed trading card for, like, Vince Carter and Jason Kidd and, like, a couple of Hornets, uh, Baron Davis and Jamal Mashburn. But, unfortunately, uh, they were on the first floor of my house in New Orleans um, uh, during Hurricane Katrina, so they washed away. So that's why I have such a uh, a bond to trading cards, (laughs) though. I got you, man. I got you. Still plenty of time to try to get all those back. That can be your like Absolutely. little side 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 mission is to get all those cards back or at least get them as close as you can. All right, man. Let's start off with the Raging Cajuns. And I want to start off with the women. I, I know offensively they've struggled this season. I get that. But how surprised were you how much they struggled last night against App State where they only scored 14 points in the first half of a tournament game? I was about to say, I mean – Literally, if Destiny Rice's half-court shot doesn't go in, they have 11 points at halftime. You know, so 14 even looked better than what it actually was. Um, it is surprising to see a team struggle like that in the tournament. It's also kind of surprising, too, that, what, even with them having 14 points, they were only down by seven at halftime, uh, which speaks to how good of a defensive team, let's say, they are. Um, and they've been that way, but um, but it's it's not surprising overall the offensive struggles because if we're being honest, you know, Lene Wheaton has really been the only consistent score that they've had all year. They've gotten contributions from other players at different points, and honestly, uh, especially when they were uh, playing against, like, let's say Troy during the regular season – and still in second and third and hovering around. And, like, it was a little bit of a surprise to me because when Brandy Williams went down at the beginning of the year in the preseason, it was like, okay, well, where is the scoring going to come from? Maymay Holman transferred to Troy. Okay, well, who else is going to join Lene uh, in that scoring category? And, like I said, they had other people contribute throughout the year, but um, the name of the game has to be scoring at some point um you need more than one person to join the party to have a chance and um you know it, it bit them um in the end 
It did, and uh, you know they got some pieces coming back, but they got to figure it out. He's got to hit the transfer portal and bring in some shooters because you got to have scores. Yeah, just I mean, as great as they are as a defensive ball club as as they are, and that's his you know bread and butter. That's what he preaches. Yeah, you got to have enough scores. Let's switch over to the men, Seth. They get the double bye. They're not going to play in Pensacola until Saturday night at seven thirty. I like their draw a lot. Uh, Southern Miss, South Alabama are on the other side of the bracket. Yes, they have Marshall and on their side, but they match up really well against Marshall. What do you make of the draw for Bob Marlin's team? I agree. Um, I love the draw for them. Um, the fact that, yeah, Marshall's a good team. You know, Marshall has the player of the year on their squad in the Sun Belt. And, uh, for some people here, that would be controversially uh, because Jordan Brown had a phenomenal season. And honestly, uh, I thought that in a weird way, um, the Sunbelt Player of the Week awards, like Tavion and Jordan, both had three. So I was like, oh, like, you know, if somebody gets a fourth, maybe that'll be the determinant of, of who gets Player of the Year. I was completely wrong about that because Jordan won it last week. Um, but they do match up well against Marshall. And, I mean, no matter if it is ULM or Georgia Southern that comes out of that, that first game, I think those are both games that, I mean, obviously if it's ULM, they match up with ULM extremely well. And, um, and Georgia Southern is uh, a team that they've played and beaten as well. So, uh, no, I really like their draw. And that other side, you know, you, your hope would be, well, first got to take care of business, uh, and you can't overlook any opponent. Um, you know, you don't want to be – a Texas State, right, where Texas State was playing an AC UL last year and suffers an upset. Um, so you you got to take care of business, but if you can advance your way to the championship, there's even some hope, too, that maybe a couple of those teams on the other side have beat up on each other a little bit <laughs> uh, before getting to you in the championship game. Because uh, let's say it is Southern Miss. Southern Miss is uh, – I wouldn't say it's a like a good matchup, like or a great matchup, but it's also a team that they're not scared of. You know, like they split the series this year, and even that game in Hattiesburg is one that just kind of got away from them toward the end of the game. So uh, it's a good it's a good matchup overall, uh, not for one versus the other, but um, but it's definitely a game that any, there's no game in this conference that UL isn't confident that they can win. What's going to be the key for them to be able to? push through and win the conference tournament you know two years ago they get to the semis last year they get to the championship round fall short what's the big key besides Jordan Brown in your opinion Seth for Bob Marlin's team to be able to punch their ticket to the NCAA tournament well I think it's something similar to last year right like you know a good part of the reason why they made a run to the championship game was Greg Williams right like Greg Williams started playing like the guy that we've seen at uh, LCA he started playing like uh, the guy that we saw sometime at St. John's before he uh, transferred back home. Um, you know, like that was probably the most comfortable that he looked on the court all last season. And obviously that transferred and translated into this season, him being a uh, second-team all-sunbelt guy. So I think because ultimately when it comes to March, and you'll hear people talk about it all throughout the month, um, guard play is so huge. Right, a guy being able to go and get you a bucket. Last year, for a long time, I thought that the biggest thing that they were missing was Cedric Russell. Right, 
because even though two years ago, while they weren't a great team, Cedric Russell won them a good three or four games just by being able to make shots down the stretch. So you need a, you need guards that are able to get you buckets. So somebody you can just throw the ball, screen and roll with Jordan Brown or whatever, and go get you a bucket. So Greg Williams is important. And so what we were even talking about with women's basketball, like it can't just be those two. Like you, you're going to need uh, a Jalen Dalcourt to have a, a big game or two, like he did last year. Uh, you're going to need uh, a Kentrell Garnett to maybe get hot from our, uh, from outside, um, like he did in, I believe, a game last year in the tournament. You're going to need some other people uh, to contribute and to have big games here and there. But, I mean, if, if they can get that and they can get consistent guard play, I think they have a good chance to win it all. We'll wrap it up with this, Seth. High school basketball playoffs for the boys are in full effect now. And we have some big-time contenders in our own backyard. Obviously, Danny Broussard, what he does at St. Thomas More, But New Iberia Senior High, they're a one seed. They're already into the quarterfinals. Who are a couple of the teams that you believe here locally can win a state championship here in the next few weeks? Well, look, I, I think you, you said it. You know, um, New Iberia, you know, you can't ignore what they've done. And what I would say 5A, but Division One non-select, I'm still getting adjusted. Um, you know, and I, they got pushed. You know, they really got pushed in that in that second round game. You know, they, they essentially won at the buzzer. But um, but they're definitely a team that you you have to look out for because um, they're going to be in every game really close. Like that's just that's in their DNA. And I say really close. Um, they're a team that just loves defense. Like you, you, you've seen it throughout. And then um, STM has a good chance, too. Um, you know, they have a ton of guys uh, who are just hoopers. <laughs> uh, you know, when you're talking about, a, like, a Chad Jones um, or when you're talking about a Mason Guillory, like, you know, they, they have, and the, and the list can go on for them. Like, they have a, a ton of guys that can go get them a bucket. Um, and so, you know, I think STM is another team that uh, that will contend, and yeah, those would those would probably be the top two for me. But there's a few others, like a, a North Central um, is a team that um, you can never uh, count out because of uh, their experience, right? Just the experience that they've had of going to multiple um, um, top twenty-eights or. Uh, March Madnesses, <laughs> whatever you want to call it. So um, those those would be a few for me. Seth, appreciate your time. Brother, keep up the tremendous work that you're doing over there at KETC, man, and we'll have you on uh, very soon, my friend. Enjoy your upcoming weekend. Appreciate that. And also, if I can add, uh, we have a story coming up tonight with Jordan Brown. Uh, Megan Glover did a one-on-one interview with Jordan Brown. That is something that you're going to want to catch going into uh, kind of a preview going into the game Saturday against uh, whoever they play. So that'll be at 10 o'clock tonight on KETC. Man, we'll make sure to check that out, brother. Thank you. Thank you. This is RP3 and Company on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. RP3 is the epitome of a high roller, constantly making large bets. 
But by doing that, the minimum bet is a dollar for a win, a dollar for a place, a dollar for a show. So it's essentially a $3 bet. That netted me a cool $6.70. What? Okay, so he's not a risk taker. He's your best bet for sports talk. 19. Hit me. 20. Hit me. 21. Hit me. 22. Go! Now, back to more RP3 and company on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Oh, I want to thank our guests for joining us on this Thursday edition of RP3 and Company. Les East from CrescentCitySports.com. Thomas Wartell, golf coach instructor with Skill Masters, and Seth Lewis, KTC sports director. Poll question of the day. We asked you, what type of sports memorabilia would you value the most? 36% of you say a milestone home run ball. 32% say a signed jersey. 28% say a game-worn jersey. 4% say a signed baseball card. Let's get to some comments here. Mr. Green says, I'll go with the milestone ball with the stipulation, it's a player I like or my team. Then again, if it's a player I don't like, King's Ransom. That's right, getting paid. <laughs> Robert on Twitter says, money-wise, it would have to be a milestone home run ball. I love sports, but I love money more. B-Rad says, a game-worn jersey, not a home run ball because they always want it back and not a signed jersey because those are easy to get. Not a baseball card because they're too fragile. Shout out to D'Lo for the joke of the day, quote, is 19% good? <laughs> that bleep was funny. <laughs> oh, you, you, that, that did hit me pretty well. Chico says, I cherish my nine championship rings, signed jerseys, helmets, etc. But one of my faves is a brick from old Rosenblatt Stadium when UL went there in 2000. Oh, I'll bet you that's awesome. That's the kind of stuff like if you can get like an old stadium chair or stadium seat, you know, or a brick like that, that's something that no one else really has. There's a limited amount of them. There, there's, you know, a lot of autographs you can get, Dawson, but an actual piece of an iconic venue, eh, that's not something everybody <clears throat> has. You know, that would be – look, I, I think my ideal scenario in life is probably the living room being filled with two to three rows of stadium seats from various stadiums. I don't know if the lady in my life is going to approve of that idea. That's going to be a no, but you can put about, that in your man cave. Think about the double-decker. Like, get a little stair and Ooh. kind of movie theater style, and you have one row from one stadium. I mean, Inspiration. You're an, inspiring. You're inspiring. That's going to do it for us today. We'll do it all again tomorrow, 6 to 9. But until then, be safe out there. Be kind to one another. Kevin Foot and Footnotes is up next right here on the game.